Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And uh, this afternoon we are joined by uh, comedy royalty, really, I think it's fair to say. We've got... Uh, They're two. looking at each other in a very <laughs> yeah, surprised yeah, way. Yeah. We've got uh, writer, producer, uh, director, uh, Anil Gupta, who's... Uh, Hello. Uh, written and, and produced many shows which we will be talking about goodness gracious me in painstaking so. detail and excellent I can hear yeah. how excited you are Pain by that being yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely and uh, yes and also uh, we have Richard Pinto his writing partner Hi. Yeah. hello author Hi. of many of the same shows in fact yeah, yeah. yeah. as well as uh, Boomers that was your, your show yeah it was mm. yeah okay so um, 20, 25 years of uh, great comedy uh and Tradition and less good ones <laughs> in between. Yeah. Uh, my my initial question is always um, in this situation is I'm always interested to know what you grew up watching, at what you know was it always sitcoms? What did you like? And when you started writing them, what were you trying to make it like? If you know what I mean. Uh, I when I was a kid, I remember watching things like. Uh, Laurel and Hardy and the Marx Brothers um, in some holidays, old films, and then yeah. as we got a bit older, we, we would watch things like you know the usual stuff, Forty Towers, the usual stuff, yeah, the usual <laughs> well, stuff. There wasn't any the usual things. There wasn't any choice back in those days. Yeah, Forty Towers, Cheers, um, things like that, and then you discover Woody Allen as well, I suppose, around about. Yeah, I watched. I mean, I watched any just anything comedy. Anything if it had comedy in the title, yeah, then I would watch right. it because obviously okay. comedy wins, right, in the choice of things to watch. Did it? Really and not, whilst I was yeah. also, whilst I, you know, whilst Richard was sitting there watching Laurel and Hardy, Faulty Towers, and Woody Allen, yes, yeah, Manhattan, the comedy canon. Yeah, I was watching those if I could get them, but absolutely everything else yeah, at the same yeah. time. So. Were you yeah, sitting in the theatre watching The Comedy of Errors by Shakespeare? Yeah, that's right. Going, Come on, where's the <laughs> Where's jokes? the comedy in this? Yeah. No, I was sitting at home in front of the telly, and yeah, in the so summer holidays, the black and white, so Laurel and Hardy would come on, but also Norman Wisdom and, you know, ev- and sitcoms on the telly. It was like, there's a sitcom on the telly, I'll watch it. Yeah. Because it's got, it's comedy is laughing, so... But I've, I've been um, doing doing my research, and uh, I, I was sort of checking out because goodness gracious me was uh, the, the first show that, that um, I mean I presume it's, it's the first show that I know, I know of that you were involved with. But yeah. I was sort of working it out that you, you um, like, there can't have been much youth time because you were about twenty two when you started. Yeah, well, doing... you don't want to believe everything you read on the internet. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so when Wikipedia say your age now, you know, you're just you're being coy, are you? About... I've just I a I lack the technical ability and the will to change the Wikipedia oh, right. entry. Okay. You're, not, you're not allowed to change your own anyway, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Well, there you go. Get so your agent. I didn't put it on there. Yeah. And yeah. Every now and again, someone goes, that's not right, is it? And it isn't right, no. no. <laughs> but you, you I'm quite happy some, with it. Sort of Anil Gupta super fan to go to Wikipedia. Yes, and, uh, and knock about yeah. well, according to five or six years off it, I think, yeah. yeah. When my wife <laughs> really? had to look, yeah. look me up the other day, <laughs> She saw that on Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, or at least when it appears in search or some on a mobile, according to that, I'm 106. Oh, <laughs> you look well. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. But you were still, you must, I, I guess, um, but how, how did you kind of get into the, um, the BBC then? How? how did I get into the BBC? Well, after college, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I tossed about for a bit, and I worked in an off-licence and various other things uh, for, for quite a long time. And then... Uh, was trying to get jobs in telly because I thought I've watched a lot of telly yeah. <laughs> so you know yeah, yeah. QED and 
not getting very far and being a yeah I was a runner on various I was a runner on a corporate shoot for Toyota that was, that was actually really good um, but uh, can I just say I've, I've worked with you a bit uh, I'm imagining you being a runner was, and someone asking you to make them a cup of tea yeah I was, wasn't a very good runner <laughs> and you're just going oh right yeah you should totally get someone to make you one of those uh, yeah yeah well <laughs> that's, that fair? that's a that's a very astute observation because <laughs> I was a runner on a corporate shoot for Toyota and I turned up on the first day and I, it was, I think it was almost my first job and I thought I better look smart so I put on some smart clothes okay. and then I turned up there were three other runners right. and they were all wearing like combat trousers and their oldest t-shirts and because uh, they'd done it before and they were like we're going to be outside all day filming cars and um, we're just going to be cleaning them and making, doing all the crap and I was like oh. And one of them was going, I'm, I'm, really, I'm not really a runner, I'm like the third AD, and I don't, I don't even know <laughs> right. yeah. So anyway, it was like, oh, okay, I'm overdressed for this, and they all looked down on me because I've never done anything. Yeah, they and looked then, down on you because you were dressed like you were in the you were middle class. Yes, and exactly. one of them was insisting. I was in chinos and a shirt. Oh, so they insisted one that they were a third AD. The hierarchy is already exerting yeah, Absolutely, itself. and then but then rather brilliantly they turned, and it was a very low budget shoot for even though it's for Toyota. And a low loader turned up with all these brand new cars on it. And then the director turned up and said, all right, where's the driver? And the producer went, what? <laughs> and he said, well, we, who's going to drive the cars? And they went, well, we, we haven't got any money, so we're not paying a professional driver. So they said, well, there was a sort of huddled conversation. at watch, And then at one point they all turned and looked at this line of runners, right? And there was the scruffy one, the even scruffy one, the very scruffy one, and then me. And they went, can you drive? I said, yeah. So I spent the three days driving brand new Toyotas around and then every now and again they go, right, cut, take it back and get the other one. So I'd shoot back to this line of runners and go, all right, boys, clean that one up and I'll be driving this one. So actually it was almost one of the best jobs I've ever had. But um, wow, wasn't being a runner. No. Right. And then, anyway, then I, was, then I got a job as a runner on um, Spitting Image. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, again, a terrible, I was a terrible runner, but it did mean I could um, see what everybody did. Right, and yeah. I thought, writers, they look like they have a fun time. Yeah. Well, they didn't actually look miserable, but I thought it looked like a fun job. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, had ex I had exactly yeah. that experience. Yeah. On Friday Night Armistice, I was a runner, and when Andy Riley and Kevin Cecil sloped in yeah. at 11 a.m. Yeah, yeah. and left at 2, <laughs> yeah. I thought, I could do uh, that. Uh, that yeah. that yeah. is good. <laughs> you probably had a look at the puppeteers and, and thought... There's absolutely no way. No on way on earth. They I'm are. Doing that. They are definitely the most insane group of people yeah. that I've ever worked with. Yes, and also quite grumpy as well. They're very grumpy. Yeah, They're very grumpy. Yeah. So that. So I didn't fancy yeah. that. So producer, I thought that was yeah. a good job, and and writer. So I thought maybe I could do that. And then I was photocopying scripts every day or every week. Yeah. And so I'd read them all and think, yeah, how okay. hard can that be? So I wrote <laughs> a few, stuck them under the producer's nose. He used a couple. Yeah. I thought, hey. hey Okay, for this. So yeah. then, yeah, there we go. So I was doing that, and then. But you've always been doing both, haven't you? You've always been a writer and a producer. Well, I started out right just writing, and then yeah. I uh, worked on weekending radio four. You mm. know, again, producer. I said, if I want to do this for a living, what do I do? And he said, well, there's a show on radio four called Weekending. Go to that. Never heard of it, but yeah. I went along anyway. All right. And um, was that David Tyler's era or Bill Dare? Bill Dare. Bill Dare. Okay. And then. Um, so I was doing that, and then I got phoned up because somebody at the BBC telly had heard my name on Weekending, and they needed, they had a six-month multicultural diversity yeah. bursary thing yeah. for a trainee script editor, yeah. 
and um, and Alan Smith wasn't available. Alan Smith, and so they heard Anil Gupta, and they said, "I got a call saying, would I go in for a meeting?" And I said, "Okay." And I said, uh, I think I said to the person who wrote, I'm only half Indian, is that all right? And they said, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> We're only going to pay you half the money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and I said, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's only going to be quite funny. Uh, and I turned up at a TV centre and, they, and uh, these two people came down to meet me and they looked slightly surprised. A, because I didn't look Indian and B, because they thought I was a woman. <laughs> they thought I was a, an Indian woman and I was a half Indian man. So they were slightly right. surprised. But then, then also, but, I think... But British well, embarrassment kicked in and they had to offer it to yeah, you, presumably. Pretty much, well, no, they had to, yeah. So I sort of did this... Um, I think I had to interview for it. And, uh, yeah, I had a six-month thing and it was, it was working on uh, The Real McCoy. Oh, yeah. As a script editor. And, but I was already... Yeah, I'd done some script editing by that stage on, on Spitting Image, so I'd kind of... Got some chops. Yeah, there. so then I was there for... So I was, and then after six months, I said, well, look, you know anything else and they said okay we'll offer you a slightly longer term like a year's contract mm. so then I was got my foot in the door right um, and I was there in, in comedy development yeah. you know, which was just mm. a sort of dreadful purgatory with, where a few of us <laughs> sat around trying to develop shows that nobody was ever going to make yeah um, and out of that eventually at some point came yeah. as great as me yeah that's that's quite an interesting route because a lot of people who uh, we, we got asked a question we did a podcast recently uh, we we got asked by a member of the audience about how how can you uh, how can you tell if uh, is, is it possible to tell if a, a radio a radio show will then work when it goes to TV and I think probably goodness gracious me was, was one of the first I think was there anything before that that had Hitchhiker's Guide. Well, not since Hancock, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But um, the way that, the, the, I mean, in the way that it happens now, that was, goodness gracious me, was probably the first to go on that sort of traditional Radio 4 to TV route. But you were already kind of working in TV anyway at that point. Yeah, well, we developed, so the, so the, the, the sort of genesis story of goodness gracious is that I was, so I'd done a, a comedy I thought it was, you know, I thought it was pre-Greg Dyke at BBC, but it was it was hideously white then, and before he came in and made that true observation. But um, and I thought it was absurd that I was the I was the diverse element in BBC comedy. It struck me as utterly ridiculous. So I said at one point, can I do some kind of workshop or something for Asian comedy writers because there aren't any, and it might be nice to encourage people. And they sort of, you know, in a slightly patronising way, said, all right, if you must. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, and then Richard, who was working with uh, Sharrett at the time, or was, was mates with Sharrett, working with him, who was mates with him, and they were trying to do be comedy writers, they applied, sent in a script. Basically, mm. I said, did I was sending a script or a, a few pages of a script, yeah. and I got a lot of rubbish and a few good things, and theirs went... I went, oh, right, this is really funny, actually. This, this has jokes. Yeah, so we had a little workshop, which was fine, but then I said to them, should we do something? So yeah. we started developing a, a sitcom idea, and Sharrett ended up working in the with me in development, uh, doing some script editing, and we'd been there. We were there for, I don't know, Sorry, a couple Sharrett, of years. Sharrett is... Uh... Sharrett Sadana. Oh, right. And uh, we, at some point, somebody said... Uh, that David Liderman, who was then I think the head of the whole department, entertainment or something, had 
asked, wanted to develop an Asian sitcom, right? And he'd asked Humphrey Barclay to do it. Yeah, the producer of really, Desmond's. Desmond's, and, but or many, many things, mm. very successful, famous producer. Uh, and that he was sort of rounding up Asian talent and they were having a workshop and they were going to go into rehearsal room and they were going to mm. improvise. And people like Mira, who I knew from Real McCoy yeah. and Corvinda were involved in. And we sort of shouted and looked at each other and thought, well, why the fuck hasn't he asked us? I mean, we're, in, <laughs> we're just we're three doors down. Why has he gone outside? The bumpy bike wasn't an internal BBC person. No. So we were a bit pissed Very off. Very urbane, Oxbridge. A uh, nice guy, but not, not, yeah, not yeah. in the department. And we were actually in the department and yeah. actually Asian. Yeah. And he hadn't asked. So we were quite cross about that. And also we thought, um, actually a sitcom's the wrong thing to do because if you're using young talent and you just start a sketch show is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. And so we thought that's what we should do. So then we kind of um, went looking around and we knew we had Mir- Mira, was, we'd known Mira and Corvinda and we th- went to see a show at uh, Kensington Oval, which was called, which we'd seen a flyer for, which was called Poppadon Preach. Wow. Uh, right. By two people who called themselves the Secret Asians. And despite that, we went anyway. And it was Sanjeev and his then comedy partner, Nitin Sawney. Okay. Uh, and Sorry, Nitin Sawney, Nitin as in Sawney. Nitin Sawney. As in that, Nitin Sawney, yeah. Who I would have come across on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. And he, they did a show. Oh, and yeah. uh, Nina was doing a little sort of guest spot on that. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at each other thinking, well, he's brilliant. She's very good. Don't know what the other guy's doing. <laughs> I hope he's good at the guitar. And then halfway through, <laughs> he came out with the guitar and we were like, oh, uh, No. <laughs> And then he sat down and just played some Paco Pena piece. And we went, oh my God, he's an incredible yeah. musician. Yeah. Mm. Uh, sort of okay av- to slash average Can comedy performer. Yeah. But anyway we, thought, anyway, we thought, look, here's some people. So we went to see John Plowman and said, we should do, this is what we're going to do, an Asian sketch show. Ah, and how do you like them apples? And he yeah, went, yeah. what is it? So we didn't, so we don't know. Anyway, we then, we persuaded him to give us some money to do a one-off. We said, we'll do a one-off live performance that you can come and see and then you'll know if it's something. Hmm. So he said, all right. So we got a week and we put a show on in the Riverside Studios and uh, and he said, great, and uh, I'll take it to BBC Two. But uh, it was supposed to be recorded on a video camera. And they were, the department would send someone. And the, the, they did send someone and he turned up and he sat on the front row and then said, oh, the battery's flat. <laughs> in a brilliant BBC way, the battery's are flat. And that's so, why it became a radio show. So, well, <laughs> nearly. So there was no record of it. Yeah. So John said, I'll take it to BBC Two, but I can't do that for till April next year when the new, they've got, because of the new financial year. And this was like June. And I said, well, that's no good. It won't, nobody will remember. <laughs> you won't remember what it is. Yeah. It'll be no- nothing again. So I said, why don't I tell you what we'll do? Why don't we record a radio pilot? Yeah. Because that will cost, yeah, very we, little money. We charge batteries. Yeah, yeah. with actual, Here are some double A's. actual yeah. batteries yeah. in the thing. Remember and to press play. Press record, yeah, yeah. that's very important. Yeah. And I think they didn't do that. In the, we had to start again, <laughs> I remember, in the pilot, because she'd messed up the cables in the wrong way around. Right. Um, yeah. But, uh, yes, I persuaded him to go. No, he said, well, go, will you go through the radio PDG right. process? I said, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I've seen how that works. <laughs> just give me the money. Right. So he did, all right. So he just gave me the money from his... Because for TV development, the cost of a radio pilot is tiny. Oh, it's peanuts. Yeah. So it's a rather, than, error. Yeah, rather yeah. than going into the PDG and being 
mm. swamped by everybody else's. Yeah. The PDG, that's the monthly uh, production direction. Program group. development group. Something, who where knows. Good yeah. ideas go to die. Your ideas get yeah. talked out of existence. Yeah. By all the other self-interested yeah. producers who don't want to... Yeah, you taking yeah. their money. So that's, uh, that's one of the, I suppose, part of the answer to the question then about radio to TV is uh, John Plowman, because I, I, I sort of remember quite a lot around that era, and I think Little Britain had a sort of, I think Little Britain had a kind of similar. Well, even uh, before that, it was, Genesis it was um, at that time it was League of Gentlemen were the other right. Yes, done it. yes, of right. course. Um, at the same time, and well, was that John? That would be John, John Plowman, Plowman as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was his kind of. Mm. O- overview of TV and radio that that meant that shows that were they were kind of already earmarked for TV in that case. Then, yeah. but, well, um, I think what happened, he was there were a lot of people who'd done so. Sarah Smith was League of Gentlemen, so she'd come from yeah. radio, and there were quite a lot of people who had radio backgrounds yeah. who were like, Well, why isn't surely she just be doing everything with the BBC? Yeah, and actually, there was weird, I always thought it was weird that there was you know, we I went to see Gareth Edwards at radio who I'd met there and said, look, I'm doing this over here, and we could do this. Can you help me make a radio pilot? And he said, nobody from television has ever come here. Uh, yeah. Which was, I just thought it was odd. Anyway, so we made the radio pilot <laughs> with the intention of it just being something we could give to the director, of the controller of BBC Two. And then, of course, it was there, so radio people heard it, and it got bumped up, and Radio 4 said, oh, we'll have it. Right. We like that, we'll have a series. So... It so, was indirectly on radio. And the rest is history. Yeah. It was now, very, I want to go successful. back. Sorry. Yes, go on. I was going to say, very successful very quickly, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was... In it, a Radio 4 kind of a way. Yeah. 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 Kind no of one way. ever admit to it being yeah. successful. But well, I remember my... Yeah, we had to... I think Time Out. There was a review or a preview in Time Out. And I thought, ooh, was well, a Time Out, you know, because I was young. So mm. I thought Time Out was important. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was... It was always, and let's look, let's look for my show. And it was there, it was in the listings. And it said, goodness gracious me, occasionally funny. <laughs> I thought, well, well, I'm I'm mostly that. harmless. <laughs> mostly, oh, yeah, occasionally funny. I want that on my occasionally. <laughs> okay, just taking a quick break to uh, update you with uh, a little bit of news. Uh, first of all, I'd like to welcome our new Patreons uh, since we last spoke. Uh, hello to uh, Christiane Hendrickson, Spencer Singleton and uh, Neil Benson. Nice to have you. We very much appreciate having people support us through Patreon and um, it means that we can uh, produce loads more content for you, which um, is what we enjoy doing. Um, we're not going to be running our script competition this uh, autumn. We ran it last autumn. It was very successful. That it was a phenomenal amount of work. We're just trying to work out the best way to do it uh, again. But there are other script competitions happening at the moment. The uh, sitcom mission, where you have to write a 15-minute script that would be performed in front of an audience. Uh, they've been going for years. Very popular, very successful. Uh, the deadline for that has been moved now to the 2nd of August, so there's still time if you want to enter that. Uh, Details on the sitcom mission page. Um, You can just enter for a fiver, uh, or you can, there's a sort of sliding scale, and if you pay more, you get more feedback. And then also, not forgetting, there is the uh, BAFTA Rowcliffe Sitcom Writing uh, Award as well. That's uh, That's been moved from April to uh, September now. I think it's September the 7th, I think, is the, the deadline. That is, it's £42 uh, to enter that. 
someone asked me recently about that if that's uh, worth doing so I asked around and I've uh, spoken to or had a lot of um, replies to our sitcom geeks uh, Twitter site a lot of people have entered uh, the competition and they say it's really good it's really worth it you get fantastic feedback for your 42 pounds so um, it's worth uh, doing that my other news is that I have got a new website, uh, which is very exciting. Same name, davecohen.org.uk. But if you go to my website, uh, the landing page, you can um, you'll get a free copy of my uh, first book, How to Be Averagely Successful at Comedy, and uh, you can sign up to my mailing list as well, which would be great because you get lots of details, information about things going on in the comedy world anyway and also news about my courses and discounts and things for that i've got two courses coming up in the autumn i'm doing a topical let's get topical uh, how to write topical jokes in september and then uh, october and january i'll be running my eight week lockdown sitcom course uh, again i've did the first one in may it was just finishing now and starting a new one in a couple of weeks it is quite uh, a challenge you try and write a sitcom in eight weeks eight weeks um <laughs> doesn't always work out but um it is very hard work but it's sort of quite quite fascinating and it's just even if you don't manage to finish the sitcom you get a sense of what you need to do and roughly the order you need to do it in and uh, how to get it done so there you go my new website please go and have a look and get a hold of the book and if you like it review it or even if you don't like it what the heck uh review it anyway and it's uh, davecohen.org.uk and now back to the podcast What I want to go back to is there was a point where a script turned up with Richard Pinto's name on it, mm. and I want to know how that script arrived in Anil's, I nearly called it Hot Little Hand, but uh, <laughs> Steady. Um, in, uh, in, firmly in his grasp. Uh, so uh, where, where, had you, where had you sprung from? Uh, I had just been watching... Um, Woody Allen. Woody Allen, and uh, a lot of sitcoms, and uh, not getting a job. Not getting a proper job. I went to university, left university. Everyone else was getting jobs. I wasn't. I was doing temp work. It's a bit like you, really. Uh, I was living in a house in Barnet um, with a whole load of other people that I knew from school and university and various places. And they just kept leaving right. and going off and doing things. And in the end, there was pretty much only two of us left. And that was me and Sharat. And we, didn't, we couldn't do anything else. We didn't have jobs. And we just used to play pool all day and we thought we sh- we have to do something <laughs> I don't know most people work hard so they don't have to do anything all day and just get to play pool it feels like you already no, we, 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 we went straight there yeah. and uh, so then we sort of just, we thought well we both like uh, comedy and uh, let's write something um, so we did and we, we used to I was I eventually got a job uh, at the home office um, a very low, <laughs> very low grade yeah. civil servant, and um, but I was able to do shift work, so I did early shifts, and then I'd finish and go and go around to Sharrett's flat, and uh, we just write there, and we wrote a script that ended up being the thing that we gave to you mm. that you liked. Um, that took us, I don't know, 
about a year of right. sodding around. In was it a, full, was it a sitcom it script or was it... Uh, yeah, it was a sitcom script, yeah. It yeah. was... Sitcom script called Hewitt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just about... Who or what was Hewitt? It's just like... Oh, it, was the, <laughs> it was a classic. Yeah, let's write about a what tosser who just sits about, doesn't really... <laughs> plays um, pool a lot in a pub and doesn't... Yeah. All his right. friends have got jobs and he has a job at home office. Yeah. 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 Interesting, well, what the, so we developed that sh- script after that workshop and um, I'd said, who do you have anyone in mind for playing the main role? And uh, they said, oh yeah, we've seen this guy, the stand-up, he's really good and we thought he'd be great for it and we talked to him a bit about it and he'd said he'd be up for it. And I said, oh, what's his name? He said, they said, oh, he's called Alan Davis. And I said, I've never heard of him, but went to see his show in Edinburgh and said, oh yeah, and talked to him and he said, yeah, yeah, I know about this. And um, so we, it was him. And then we, I managed to get the BBC, we developed it a bit, and they said, okay, well, I'll tell you what you can do is a, they call them rehearsal room pilots, mm. where you cast the thing and then you rehearse it in a rehearsal room and then you perform it to a, you know, a, a group of executives come along and watch the performance yeah. as if it's a sort of camera rehearsal. And um, Reese Iffens was in it, we cast him. Wow. And, um, yeah, and Rob's we. Well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little and we did, and we performed in the rehearsal room, and uh, it went really well. And we thought, this is this has gone well, I think. And the head of comedy said, yeah, that's really good. Basically, I'll take that up to BBC Two and uh, the next office, and, but you know, you'll, you'll definitely get a pilot, and you know, you'll probably get a series. And it's basically, it's a shoe in. And we thought, happy days. And so this is an early. This is an early lesson. What's, I wonder what's coming next. This is an early lesson, and so and to the extent that we, yeah, we, I took Richard Charrett and me and Alan Davis went out for a swanky showbiz lunch in Soho somewhere. And I, yeah, stupid. I remember saying to somebody, oh, "I want to go out to a fancy Soho, you know, media showbiz lunch," and they said, oh, "I'll go to this place. It's on Dean Street or somewhere." So I said, "Oh, great." So we went there and we, you know, got drunk and spent a lot of money on this lunch saying, we're having a well series. Done. Well done. Well done for everyone. It's brilliant. And then, uh, yeah. The does watch the BAFTAs exactly. come in. And then the meeting <laughs> happened and I went into the head of comedy and I said, so when do we start? And he said, ah, oh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's not happening. And I said, but you, you said it was definitely, and he went, yeah, no. Because the thing was they only had one slot and... Uh, so we said which, and he and I had three or four projects. So he asked me which one it should be, right. and I said, and you said, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, he, not yours. and he said no. He said, oh no, I'm not playing that game. They're all good projects. So he didn't. So Ooh. the result was they didn't make any of his projects. They made the project by the next guy who came in the door who said it's this one. So they made a show instead of ours mm. that was called Sunnyside Farm by I think it was by Preddy and Howe. Right. Uh, which had um, Michael Kitchen and Phil Daniels. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I vaguely remember the Vaguely day, remember it. I don't remember the show. I think some, most people vaguely... <laughs> if, if you have a memory of it, it'll be vague. Anyway, we, so we didn't get that show. And, but... but worked out right for Alan. because one of the executives who came along, who when we sort of said, can, we, can you come along and be an, an audience, an encouraging audience, you know, in the rehearsal room pilot, was Susie Belbin, a woman called Susie Belbin, who was a senior executive at the BBC at the time. And she uh, had done uh, One Foot in the Grave, 
and um, written by written by David Rennick. Yes, and who was developing another show at the time, and they were cool. <laughs> having a lot of trouble casting it because they'd got the commission and um, they tried everybody, literally. So that show obviously was Jonathan Creek, and mm-hmm. they'd like Griff had done Hugh Laurie. They'd been, I mean. Everyone you could think of, they'd tried yeah. in that role and hadn't worked, they hadn't found the right person. And she came along to be supportive in that audience and thought, he's good. That's our hit, like, yeah. as they say. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, that's there you David, go. That's uh, David Rennick, isn't it? He's very, very uh, Particular. certain, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, yeah. he? He knows exactly. Yeah, yeah so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was all great, and then suddenly, oh wait a minute, nothing. And there was so, but wait, wait, wait. It's okay. We still got Alan. Alan, <laughs> exactly. Well, Alan, where have you got? So Alan, yeah, I told it to massive right. instant he overnight was, success. I, I thought you were really good. That, that was about to sound like a sort of happy ever after story. It was like so when we didn't get the sitcom, but at least this producer came along and they took our lead and stuck yeah. him into yeah. something like else. vultures so, around yeah. the carcass. Yeah, yeah. 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 we lost our lead guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. But you know, we've got hundreds of those stories. From from the ashes of that, by that stage, in a sense the writing had got you through the door to be a credible player so that you got yeah. another job and another job, mm. which yeah. led to another job. I mean, you ended up working together. Yes. When was the first time you two wrote together? Well, did, we, you, did you write a bit on that pilot script or...? No, I just used to chuck bits in. But right. um, but when we did... Well, goodness gracious me, we were always rewriting. Right. Yeah, everything got rewritten by everybody. So, you know, mm. there was a kind of element of... of um, uh, working together, yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. So, yeah, well, so Sharrett sadly passed away a few years ago. Mm. Uh, we ended up at one point. We had a, we I left the Beeb, and we the three of us had a very short-lived company. Right, that was that was a set we set up as a joint venture at Hattrick. Um, but again, that was one of those things where you walk in on the first day, and I thought, wait a minute, somebody has to run this company, <laughs> and. It's not going to be him. And it's definitely not going to be him. And that only leaves me. And I don't really want to do that. Yeah. I want to be a producer and a writer. So very quickly it became apparent we weren't going to be very good at that. Um, and then, and then, sadly, Sharp passed away, and we were the, we were there was two of us left. And, and then we there thought, were two. What are we going to do? And Richard was like, "Well, I'm just carrying on being a writer." And I went, "Shall I? Shall I do that with you?" Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, we've been working together as writers since then. Yeah. Was that sort of the Bromwell High period then? Or? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, was, yeah. well yes, yeah, so there was another guy. I don't know if it all happened to him, actually. Yeah. Um, tall, tall bloke. Tall guy. He's a bit weird. Slightly odd. Uh, he was, but he, so he was writing. So I was in a writing room at Hattrick with, there's that guy and another one, Giles um, Freeman. And, oh, um, yeah. and anyways... The guy that we ended up working with on Bromwell High was the other one, uh, who was called Richard Osman. That's his name. That's it, Richard Osman. Is he still a thing? I don't know. <laughs> I hope he's all right. Yeah, he was very, very funny, um, clearly. It's just occurred to me that the, the secret of you know, showbiz mega stardom is clearly to develop a show with us yeah. that doesn't, happen, <laughs> doesn't become successful and then immediately bugger off and do much more successful things yeah um, but yeah Richard Osman so Richard he but he'd already done a couple of things with it. he'd already done 
um, the the spoof boy band thing. Yes, um, James yeah. Corden was yeah. the sort yeah. of yeah, uh, boy band. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. Uh, boy, uh, Boys Unlimited. Boys Unlimited, Boys Unlimited. which right. was funny. It was good, but anyway, yeah. it didn't. And he'd all he's also done um, If I Ruled the World, I think, which is a format. Uh, yeah, quiz show, show format. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which again was good to think Graham Garden was in it yeah. Who, the, yeah, and, sure. Jeremy, and, and Jeremy Hardy because he yes. had a team captain yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but Bromo High yeah Bromo High so we then I then because we were at Hattrick and we were running this or not running this company Hattrick said look you're not really doing this guy. <laughs> you're not really doing anything are you why don't you work on these shows so they so Bromo High had been commissioned and they said you produce you know these guys so you produce it and uh, and I said alright and I thought this is great this show and this could be a. Th- I thought this is going to be a thing. This is this is going to run for yeah. fifteen years, and I won't have to do anything else ever again. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> and nothing can go wrong. Yeah, there. and we, we made thirteen. There were thirteen episodes commissioned by Channel Four, and uh, it was. Yeah, I was doing did quite a lot of work on it, and we had amazing cast, and um, uh, yeah, and then we went again a bit like. I think all my story is going to be this shit. Um, a bit like what happened with the BBC Two and yeah. Hewitt story. We were like Channel Channel Four were getting a bit. There were there were a couple of people who were being a bit tricksy and Hattrick said, "Don't worry about them. We'll deal with them. Mm. You just get on, make your show. We think it's great. We everyone we all love it. We completely believe in it. We back you totally. 100%. We will not ever publicly we, distance yeah, ourselves yeah, ever again. Ever. No, and we went along to we went to uh, the Channel Four had like a launch of their new season, and we went in some swanky yeah. Soho nightclub type place. Do they still do that? No, I don't. I don't know anyone. I don't don't get invited. No, no, I don't. I don't know anyone who does. But but maybe they do. And they said, and the yeah, and they stood. They had a sort of showreel type thing, and it went through. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up on Channel Four. Coming up on Channel Four. We haven't haven't been on yet. We have an animation show so good we're not even. Yeah, and right at the end there was a kind of two second clip of it, and I thought, oh we're dead <laughs> we're really in big trouble we're really in, in a unless this becomes Pesci, a cult Pesci, good fellas walk into the room oh this isn't the thing I was going to the, no, the, the, the moment was it was even before that wasn't it it was when Kevin went I'm not sure about the eyes oh yeah because with the, the yeah the design the design yeah. the eyes sort of stuck out to yes. the side of the faces and yeah, Kevin anyway. said, I don't like the eyes. And we thought, oh, that's bad. And then, <laughs> and then we went to this launch and thought, they hate it. And they literally didn't mention it. They talked, did the whole thing. And they, they're big. Told <laughs> we should have done the eyes and in the middle of the head. One of the big shows that they had was uh, Johnny Vegas' 18 Stones of Idiot. That took top billing, I remember. Oh, I was yeah. thinking, okay, so they liked that more than us. And they, they ended up putting it out really late at night, some like in the middle of the week or something, and they only put out six of them. And we made 13, and then put out six. They, they'd already paid for yeah, yeah. that other seven, and they would rather That's show... how much they loved it. Yeah. <laughs> 18 stone of videos. Yeah, like very... Well, I think they, they pulled that pretty quickly. Yeah. I don't it know. It wasn't a good show. But, they, but yeah, so that's like very... And I still think it's a great show. And, uh, it, yeah. you know, it was... The other interesting thing about that is um, the, one of the big... I, mean, I remember the read-throughs of those. We used to have, you know, the whole casting, and they were the, some of the funniest read-throughs I've ever been in my entire career. Right. Like crying with laughter. It was a brilliant cast. And we had Simon Greenall playing um, Iqbal, the headmaster, who was brilliant. 
and hilarious. Simon Greenall, for listeners, is also the meerkat. Meerkat. And it's the same and voice. Same right. Voice. Right. Okay. Pretty much the same voice. So yeah. we were like, this is brilliant. This, this character is amazing and the way he does it is hilarious and genius and it's going to be a huge, huge Homer Simpson-esque type thing. And then it obviously wasn't because Channel 4 didn't like it. And um, we never think Great more about cross. it. Steve Merchant was in it. Steve Mangan was in it. Jeannie Asheray was in it. Before she went off to America to become famous because yeah. she couldn't get... And Richard, Richard Osman's scripts were fantastic, amazing. But yeah, Simon Greenwell basically just kept that voice and then suddenly... Monetised it. And I was like, that me okay? Yeah. That sounds a lot like... <laughs> I mean, what, what I love about this conversation is it, again... We, we focus on the failure because obviously we're writers and we're obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. But actually, people don't, people listening maybe don't believe it, but failure is normal. Mm. Yeah. And you, you, but you, you live in this weird duality where you know failure is normal and yet you, you think, do you know what? This is the actual, I think we've cracked mm. it. I think this is... Yeah, I yeah, think this most is shows it. Fail. I think yeah. we, we've also we've sort of skipped a little period where you know, and you've been telling telling us about the the, the projects that you loved and that you've nurtured and that have come to nothing, and sort of in between that, you happen to produce a show called The Office. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, so the story of yeah, the story of The Office. Well, the apocryphal. The, this is my version. You know, okay. Other versions are available. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. The rest of that interview you can listen to next time. In the meantime, why not go over to our Patreon page and check out how you can support the show and also get loads of extra audio too. Speak to you next time. Bye-bye.